0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. Okay, so we are in the midst of a series called Follow. And so we are in the third week, and it is um, uh, a message series about uh, like what it means to be a student or a follower of Jesus. Uh, Because if you say you're a Christian, then by definition, you're a follower of Jesus. So you're a student of his, he's your teacher. And so you think of all your favorite teachers in school, you know, and, and they had all certain different things that they did, or they didn't do that made you like them. And well, Jesus is the best teacher ever um, because he he's lived life to the fullest more than any person that's ever lived. Uh, he, he has probably laughed more than anybody ever laughed. He's probably cried more than anybody cried, fully aware, fully alive, fully healthy human. And he calls us to come into relationship with him and then follow him. So we've, we've gone over, um, we've gone over a couple of things. One, we looked at our call to be students of Jesus. Uh, and then uh, we looked at our call to be the mission and message of Jesus. That's what we looked at last week. And then today we're going to look at our call to prayer, our call to pray. Now we have a theme verse for the series. It says John 12, 26, it says, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am and the father will honor anyone who serves me. And so as we look at prayer, you can turn to Matthew six, five through 15. If, if you have a Bible or Bible app, words will be on the screen as well. Um, but as we, as we move to prayer, we have to think of the barriers first, right? Cause there's huge barriers to prayer. Uh, I mean, I think, I think uh, as a Christian, when I first became a Christian, like people talked about, well, you got to pray. And, and I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. But I realized pretty soon, I'm like, oh, this is like a competition. Like you guys are doing this like real seriously. And I always felt kind of, I always kind of felt like I was like insecure about prayer first. I'm like, oh, you want me to pray? Like every, all you guys can hear me praying. Okay. Um, and then it was like, well, I get up at four and the other person was like, well, I get up at three thirty. you know, and, and, and I pray. And, and even as a pastor, um, I still kind of feel like, man, I, I, I'm just not there in my prayer life and, and so there's this great pressure and I, I don't know if you feel that um but it is kind of a thing like people to feel like well i should pray more i should do this more and um and i've decided that's bunk i mean it's like you know i mean yes you should you should pray more but um but it's not this great pressure to compete with anybody right um uh, there's so there's time right like some people say you know i don't have time to pray uh, you know, well, some other people say, you know, you've got enough going on that you can't, you know, you can't help but pray. Like you have to pray because you have so much going on. Um, there's religious barriers to prayer. Like, uh, you know, like, well, you, you, if you pray, you have to pray this way. And if you don't, if you don't pray using th- this thing and that thing, then you're not really praying. I, I came into that right away when I became a Christian, met different people from different uh, denominations. They said, well, you're not praying, right? I'm like, geez, I just started, you know, getting okay at this and now I'm blowing it again. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's secular, uh, you know, ideas with prayer. In other words, like, hey, when you're praying, nothing's going on. It's just bouncing off the ceiling. Like I mean, you're just babbling. Like no one's listening. Kind of that secular idea. Like you, you can't see. You, who are you talking to, right? Um, uh, and then there's there's different ideas of of, of wrong thinking of things. Uh, one is is like why pray? Like you ever had this one where you're like, well, God's going to do what He's going to do. So why would I pray, right? Like why would I ask Him that He's going to do what He's going to do anyways? And that's really wrong thinking because actually our prayers actually influence God. We see it in scripture. Like what we pray with God actually influences him and we co-create with him and we join with him. Like we, we, we learn how to reign with him and walk with him through prayer. It's, it's pretty interesting. Uh, Moses is an example in the book of Exodus. Right? Because God's like, man, these people that I, that, you know, that you brought out of Israel with me, these people, they've created this calf, they're worshiping it, I'm just gonna take them all out. And so Moses prays, he intercedes for them, and it says that God changed his mind. Whoa. God changed his mind. And Moses wasn't some extra special person, except that he obeyed God and followed after him. He made all kinds of mistakes. He committed murder at one point. I mean, so he wasn't perfect by any means, but he decided to fall after God and he changed God's mind through his prayers and God relented and didn't do anything to people. Um, so why does prayer matter? Right? Like, why are we taking a whole 30 minutes to talk about? It? Well, it, when you pray, things change. And most importantly, you change. It's, I mean, it, it's, 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 it's incredible how many times over the years, um, like when I started praying, it was mostly like sporting events. Like I had never been to church in my life, but like soccer games. So I played soccer growing up and I remember this, like this shoot off, like the, the, um, and, and, you know, it was the end of the game and we kick one, they kick one and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like, we need some help here you know? And so, so, so God, you know, and I, you know, I'm okay. You know, and, and all of a sudden I even got on my knees, you know, and, and at this game, all of a sudden it worked. And so the extent of my prayer was just like kind of at games. What's interesting is I was very fearful of um like the night and worrying about dying and that sort of thing as a young boy and, and um, just very suggestible, you know, be at parties. And another kid would say, you know, uh, like sleep over, like, you know, you know, this, this, and this. And if you heard somebody, you know, all this stuff. And, and all of a sudden my mind would get going, I'd be, be up all night. Everybody else would be sleeping. I'm like, I'm staying watch for us all. No worries guys. Cause there was just this fear, but I never prayed during that time. So I, I never really prayed during that time. So it was kind of, It was kind of, um, I I never implemented it like into my real life, but then as I did, as I, as I got to know Jesus and I started praying, I realized like, wow, I'm in this reality here where I'm scared as all get out. Things are going bad. Things are wrong. I feel anxious. I feel all these things, but then all of a sudden, God, I need you. It's as if all of reality changes, but my circumstances didn't change, but somehow everything absolutely changed. And so, um, Prayer is, uh, is what keeps our faith going because if, if you haven't heard like faith is everything with your relationship with God, it's just absolutely, you're saved by faith. Uh, you know, you, everything you do is by faith. And so, um, I was thinking about this and in our family, you'll probably think I'm weird. Uh, we have, uh, we name our cars, like our vehicles. And so over the years we've had, we've had old blue. That was Michelle's 1993, uh uh, uh, Honda Civic, uh, that she got when she graduated from college. And it was great. We, we, we wish we had kept old blue. And then, and then there was new guy, which was a, uh, was a Honda Civic that we got that the cat peed in, you know, and, and, you know, pooped in and all this different, it was just this horrible thing. We brought it to the place and it always kind of had that, what is that? You know? And, and even though we got everything reupholstered and, and, and so the new guy, we weren't happy with, we, we got rid of him. And then, uh, and then there's Sis. Uh, which is a minivan. Uh, and then Old Faithful, which was like the van that we got when my son that's graduating high school, you know, was born. Cause we tried one trip to Costco to get, uh, all the stuff and him into New Guy, uh, did that. And, uh, and then, uh, there's, there's Chuck. Chuck blew an engine in November. So Chuck is somewhere. Uh, we don't know. Uh, bless his soul. And, um, and then there's Grace. Grace replaced Chuck. But then there's Mater. Mater, you know, like the cars movie the you know, the old truck. And so Mater, um, it, I got back in October, which is an old 1993 Ford truck and just got it to drive around Piper and stuff. And I've done some things to get it going and, and it's working really well. And there's a, there's a noise out of the right side of the engine and the mechanic said, no problem. You know, that's fine. It's just, just keep it great. Runs good. But then on the left side of the engine, a few months ago, it just started making a lot of noise. And so I'm just kind of like, man, oh, sorry. Um, uh, I don't know who I was talking to. I guess I was talking to myself, <laughs> talking to you guys. Um, but I'm just like, man, this is just going, like, what is going on? What's wrong? And so anyways, Saturday, uh, Friday, I took it to a friend, mechanic guy, took us to his house. We walked through some things. He fixed some things. He's like, man, that's a, that's a, that's a noisy engine. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I agree. And, you know, this started here. And he goes, have you had the, um, you know, keep feeding a lot of oil. I'm like, no, no problem. You know, in older cars, typically you have to keep the oil going, it'll burn oil. And then I got home and I said, you know, I don't think I've checked the oil in six months. And so, no joke, it was down four quarts. And so that was the noise. Chuck, I mean, uh, Mater, uh, Mater now is purring like a kitten. I mean, it's absolutely, the noise is gone that was there. And I've owned old trucks before, but um, I just forgot to check it. I've been busy. And so now everything's good, right? Because I put the oil in there. Well, all of that to say, just not to talk about my trucks, but like prayer is the oil for faith. Like if you're not praying your faith will die. If, and and if your faith dies, then your relationship dies with God. Prayer is the absolute oil. Like your faith will seize up if you're not praying. Because what happens is, is you're, you're feeding your brain, other stuff. And so it'll seize up just like the engine. You know, if I hadn't fed it some oil would have seized up pretty soon. Okay. That's not what happened to Chuck, by the way. He did. He had plenty of oil. Uh, You're not believing me, but um, so Christians love to pray. That's why when I got saved, like I'd get around people and they're always praying. They'd always like to hold hands. I'm better with it now, but it drove me nuts back then. You know, because this is their hold hands for like 15 minutes. Like, oh, I do okay now. But back then I'm like, man. And uh, I went on my first trip and they prayed for each meal. And, uh, and, and I'm sitting there. I actually said this. Uh, they had all these groceries and stuff and we had to unload them from, we went up to this retreat. My first time around Christians for, for like a standard period of time and a weekend. And I got saved that weekend, but you know, they prayed before each meal and I had been around that. And I just said, Hey, be more efficient if we just prayed for the groceries when you bought them at the store, you know, like just, and then we wouldn't have to stop each time because I'm kind of hungry, you know, didn't know. But, but prayer, prayer is, uh, Like when you pray for a meal, like we do that with our kids and other times if we're to share a meal and you sit there and it's, it's pausing and just recognizing that everything comes from God. Right. And so Christians pray a lot because it it grows our faith. So Jesus is recorded speaking of prayer quite a bit. Just tons. In the Bible, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of times that speak of prayer. Um, prayer is, is, is it's so important, and, it, and it's our lifeline to God. Um, there's scientific findings that have been conclusive about prayer. Um, there's a study by uh, Professor Byrd, 1988, uh, University of California, San Francisco, his conclusion was he wasn't a believer, so he didn't put it to God. He just thought that if people prayed, like it went out kind of in the ether and, and something happened, right? Uh, but they did this blind study that uh, there was a group of people that had had heart attacks or, um, or had severe symptoms, and they split the group, and they had people pray. Nobody knew, like, which people were being prayed for, the doctors, anybody. Nobody knew. And they prayed for one group— uh, that half of them, they prayed for them. And then the other group wasn't prayed for the, the, the results were just off the charts, off the charts. The group that had had, um, heart attacks or had severe symptoms got healthier, uh, less, um, uh, less death, all all those things. Like they just, they were incredibly different. Uh, they did tests on plants too. And, uh, and they even encased some like in, um, in like, uh, lead containers and, um, and, and put those in there. And they found that that didn't matter, right? Uh, and then distance didn't matter. It didn't matter how far the person was that was praying for a certain person. They got better. It affected things. So there's something to prayer. Science even proves it. Um, Prayer was a common topic of conversation between Jesus and his disciples. So let's listen in, okay? So Jesus is gonna share God's heart with us in Matthew 6, verse 5. When you pray... Uh, notice he says when you pray, right? Uh, and so, so it, it's, it's a assumptive point, which is y- you will pray. And so when you do, let me help you out with that. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. So Jesus calls, he says that these people are hypocrites that do this. The point is, is that they're more interested in being seen than actually communicating with God, Uh, you know, like, are they even interested what God is hearing or, you know, feeling when they pray? It's just more kind of the ceremony of it all. And uh, he's saying like, you know, don't be like that. And a hypocrite is somebody that you don't know who they are because it comes uh, from the greek word that would be used for actors and back then they would play different characters so they'd put a mask in front of their face they're this character now and they put this mask in front of their face and they're that character now and so he's saying look people that are just all about like being seen praying like up in front he's talking about the pharisees the religious you know don't be like those guys then he says, I tell you the truth, that that is all the reward they will ever get. And so if you look for the rewards of this life, you'll get the rewards of this life. I mean, it's kind of built in. If you look for the rewards from God, then you'll do things a different way, get rewards from him. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So students of Jesus pray differently because it's, it's, it's like, no, it's not a show. It's, uh, you know, you may pray publicly in those things, but, but when you do, it's just like, if you're, it's just you and God, like th- this is what Jesus is trying to teach us to do. Right. I mean, it's messy in the middle, but he's saying like, look, people that pray in the kingdom will do it so opposite from that, that they just, just go away to their closet and just be alone with the father. Like, that there's more in secret than there is out there and God will reward you for that. So, so you change your target. Like you change like what you're looking for. You change like what you want your reward to be if if you pray in the kingdom. So in verse, in verse seven, it says, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. So, this was kind of like the idea, like the, because everybody had a God back then. I mean, everybody has a God now, right? Um, I mean, everybody has something that they're serving or worshiping. But the idea was, is that the Gentiles of this day would worship in such a way that they would have certain, uh, prayers that they would pray or certain sayings that they would do or, or certain, uh, noises that they would make. And, and, it, you know, it's kind of like a, um, like a vending machine, right? Like you put the coins in or you put the dollar in, or these days you can even use your app and, and you press the button and the thing pops out. Like that was the mindset of the Gentiles. Like if you just do these things, God will respond in this way. And he's saying, that's not how it works. You can't use God to just get what you want. Like you can't just, you know, do it enough and do the right combination. And he has to do it. It just doesn't work that way. That's what Jesus is saying. So Jesus says, don't be like them for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. And then he goes in to pray like this. And I like what Dallas Willard says about how the Gentiles, um, uh, like, spoke about prayer. And this is the idea. And he's speaking about this. Um, he says, they don't understand that prayer to the real personal God is intelligent conversation about matters of mutual concern. Isn't that great? I mean, that reminds me of, like, uh, uh, my grandfather. Uh, my grandmother passed away in at in, in 74, and he was about the same age, and and he he recommitted his life to Jesus in his 70s. His mom was a believer, and and so we started having lunch and taking walks and things, and and it just reminds me of that. Like we'd have intelligent conversation most of the time, you know, about matters of mutual concern. I mean, think about that. Like you, you do that with your spouse, you do that with family members and other people. And, and so you wouldn't just do that to a a person you're trying to have intelligent conversation with, just like rattle off things until they give it to you. We all tried that as kids, right? You know, or you may hear little kids do that to one. Yes, no, mine, no, mine, right? We wouldn't do that with God. And so that's what Jesus is getting at here. Uh, Willard also um, says, um, You know, prayer is talking with God about what we are doing together, right? This, 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 this life that we're living together, like, like everything you're going through, God is right there. And so, so it's like, God, what are we doing? What do you think about this? What's going on? Like, nothing's news to him, but he wants you to talk to him about it. So Jesus teaches his students how to pray because uh, they came to him one day and it's recorded in, in Matthew six. And then also Luke 11, like, Hey, how do we um, teach us to pray? Like all the other, uh, all the other rabbis teach their disciples to pray. We want to learn to pray too. And they would see him go off and pray and uh, in, in, in quiet uh, alone. And they'd also see him pray publicly. And so this is the way it works. When somebody's your teacher, you say, Hey, we want to learn that what you do. We, we want to learn that thing, and I learned that as a young pastor. Um, Michelle and I both, uh, in our mid twenties, were at a um, at a church in Southern California, and uh, lots of pastors and different experiences. And it was so great because I'd see them do things, and I say, "Hey, teach me that! Hey, show me that!" And when I went to become a senior pastor, uh, I was thirty one pastor my first church. And I went away, I met with each of them. I said, I just had this, this, uh, um, this yellow line paper I said, give me all the stuff. Just give me everything you've got. Anything I haven't learned from you. And what about this? I've seen you do this. And so, and I still have it. I still have all that paper and I go back to it and look at it. And uh, but that's what you do with somebody you're learning from. And so they say, Jesus, teach us to pray. <clears throat> so in verse nine, it says, um, it says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy May your kingdom come soon. And and this is the Lord's prayer. Growing up, if you were in church, you probably heard a different, like our father who art in heaven, uh, you know, hallowed be your name. And so different language, this is put into more common language today. But so in prayer, it's important to address God, right? Even though it is a a intelligent conversation with somebody of mutual concern, uh, it is important to recognize I'm talking to God you know, and you, you know, you can say father, you can say Lord, you can say, you know, however you want it, but it's important to address him and say, this is who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to God. Um, notice that he says father though. Uh, he says father that is near. And it's this idea in other places that you can talk to God as daddy, right? Uh, you can talk to him as daddy. He's your Abba. He's your father. Um, but it says like, uh, it says, uh, that our father in heaven, that meaning has come to us. Kind of this thing that like God is far off because where is heaven in most people's minds? Like, well, like way out there, like way, way out there. Like the Mars Rover, like beyond that, like that's where God is way out there. But the original Greek actually speaks of this idea of like the heavens, like the atmosphere. And so yes, God could be in the farthest atmosphere that you could think of, but there's also this atmosphere. And so the idea is, is that our father that is in all of the atmospheres at the same time, our father that is in the heavens, like plural, that's actually the original language would speak of it's in heavens versus heaven. And it's saying our father who is, yes, you are all the way there, but you're also near, you're here. Isn't that better? Our father who is here, that's near, that's with us. That's the idea. Uh, in verse 10, it says, May your kingdom come soon, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <clears throat> and so God's kingdom is uh where his will is done, where his perfured, preferred future, present, all those things is. It's where his rule and reign comes. And so you think of like authority, you think of like um. You know, the government or, uh, or peace officers, uh, you know, like when they're in charge and it's their thing, they're in charge. Like those are the rules. Those are the laws. Those are the things. And so God has certain ways for things. And so when you say your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, in Kansas City as in heaven, what you're saying is you're saying, I want it to be here like it is in heaven. I want it to be here like what you want God to be like it is here. So it's, it's, it's actually not this nice kind of peaceful thing. It's, it's like a warfare prayer. It's saying like, look, all other kingdoms, including mine, get out of the way and your kingdom come, you come and reign and rule God. Even if it means that all of me being in charge and control is blown up, God, the way you design things to be, let that be here and now and start in my address, in my home. It's saying that like it's serious stuff when we pray that your kingdom come, your will be done, God, so that things will be the way God wants them to be uh, in my home and my school and my work. And then it goes into give us today the food we need. And so the idea here is, is uh, give us today what we need today, food and everything else for me and for for other people. What, what do I? So you open up the day, God. What do I need today? Well, I need food. I I, I may need encouragement. Um, God, I I need wisdom today. Uh, God, I I need I need money today. You know, I I need answers today. I I don't know. What do I need? But but God, give me what I need today for today. Um, that's the idea there. And is it's, and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Uh, the idea here is Jesus throws us a big softball. Just like nice, easy, just tossed up, just right there. Look, anybody can hit this. Like, who doesn't want to pray that? You know, forgive us our sins. And Jesus is like teeing you off to the heart of God. Like he's he's saying, look, God's going to answer this prayer. I mean, nobody needs to carry around any sin. Like you're not meant to. You know, and some of us, you know, we've got a huge, like backpacking backpack, you know, and we carry it around and it's not because we think it's good for us, but it's because we're, we're like, we're trying to fix it. We're trying to make it right ourselves. And, and we kind of look at it as our, like, well, that's just me. It's what I've done. And, I, you know, I, I'm just stuck in this place. And the Lord says, no, to be forgiven of it is is like, you know, he doesn't just take stuff out like, okay, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. But he says, no, just give me the whole backpack. He comes up and cuts off the straps. Like, Hey, doesn't that feel better? don't you feel lighter, right? David in the old Testament says like, when he didn't confess his sin, like it was like his bones were like melting within him, like aching within him because of sin that was unconfessed. That's why it's good to keep short accounts, isn't it? Keep short accounts with God, right? You know, just, you know, you do something or, you know, and, and it's even better too, Lord, even the things I don't even know that I did. You know, I'm not sure what that day was, Lord, but I'm sure like I'm off somehow here. I just bring you my life, Lord. Not because he's going to not come to you or, or not be with you, but because you're in relationship with him. And so that's why we need prayer, because we need prayer to, to speak things like that. And then he says um, in verse 13, it says, uh, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And so don't let any temptation come to us. Like keep us away from the edge, right? Some of us, you know, we like to like go right up to the edge, you know, like I'm in control. I can do that. Well, I've, I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I've, the, the, the edge of the cliff was a little bit softer than I thought, right? You know, like I wasn't quite in control as as I thought I was. And I, and I, I, I walked over the edge and then there's consequences for that but I, I don't, I don't want st- to, I don't want to come near temptation is the point. Like I just keep me far away from it. Uh, like, uh, when, uh, when Michelle and I were youth pastors, like yeah, she is now actually. So, um, but back, back in our twenties, when we were, you know, first met and married and everything, we we're both doing youth ministry. And, um, uh, you know, the youth would ask like, Hey, you know, so like, you know, when it comes to like relationships with the opposite sex, like, you know, what's like, what's okay. You know, like what's okay to do and what's, how do I respect this person? Or not, what does God say? And all these things. And, and, you know, in some, a lot of the times they're just like, Hey, like how, you know, how far can I go and still be good? You know, it was just this kind of, you know, kind of mindset. And, and, and then it came down to, to like, you know, substances or other things like, Hey, how much can I do? And how many, you know, how many drinks can I have? And how much, you know, all these things. And, and in that heart, the Lord works it out of all of us. Like, how far can I go and still be good? And I don't even think that's the right question, right? Like, because the Lord is right there. Like, when, like when we that's why prayer is important, because you recognize that he's always with you. And so you're just kind of like, well, what would you do with God? Like, hang in there, right? Like, even more so, like the New Testament speaks of the, that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so God lives inside of you, you know, and, and so, so I don't know, like, I don't think you want to come anywhere near any of that, you know, and, and, and you want to, you want to realize that he's with you. And so uh stay away from temptation, I was saying, help us with that and, and rescue us from the evil one. Right. And so, so Satan, right. And so the, he's, he's the enemy of our souls. He's the enemy of God and, and, and he's real, right. He gets way too much press because I think we help him out quite a bit. I think we do plenty um, in our flesh, but, but there's a real enemy and he doesn't want you to be loved by God. He doesn't want you to experience God's love. He doesn't want you to, to know who you are, that you are a child of the king, that you are all princes and princesses of my almighty God and you lack nothing. Everything that God has is yours and there's nothing between him and you because of what Jesus did. The only thing is to receive it and work it in your life. And that's the lie. God's holding out to you. He doesn't have everything for you. So that's the primary way that he works in our lives. And a lot of the destruction we do ourselves uh, by, not, by not looking into that. And so um, in verse 14 and 15, it says, uh, um, it says, uh, my father will forgive you. But if you've refused to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. And so Jesus finishes with this idea that like, um, let forgiveness have its complete work in you. Like, don't let it be a transaction. Like, all right, I prayed. The preacher guy said that, you know, if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me. First John one, nine, whoop, whoop, you know, and I'm clean. I'm good. Right. Like that's, that's kind of a transaction. It's true. Like if you're bringing your real heart with that, but, but the full work is, is that, forgiveness works itself out through me that that I just don't confess, but I repent. I go the different way. And also too, that I don't hold things against other people. Like Jesus was real serious about that. I mean, he told all sorts of different stories about like, hey, what about the person that receives forgiveness for so much, but then they won't forgive somebody else of just something small. Jesus, And the reason he's pointing out is saying like, hey, you've done this transaction, but I want this transformation of you that you would be a completely different person. And I want us, as we close here in just a minute, I want us to go back to verse six because uh, verse six, um, it, it's, it's pretty awesome. And it says, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you and pray to our, your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. I think I think one of the hardest things for us for prayer, because like if you ever been around somebody, maybe the boss is coming in town or the CEO, or you meet your, you know, you meet like a, a music uh, a musician or an actor, or famous person or politician, whatever you like, you kind of like pump yourself. Okay, I got, I'm going to be around this person. How do I act? What do I say? What do I do? And and you you kind of put on this front, right? And I mean, so when we come to God, we may feel like that sometimes with prayer. But C.S. Lewis actually talks about prayer. like, And I think this verse is good about that. Um, he talks about it like bringing your unveiled self to God. Like prayer is for that. Like you're not an item or you're not just a, a thing, but you're a person and you bring your unveiled self. And he, he describes it this way. He says, you know, think about if you're talking to somebody, and that person, you, you find out that they're always talking to you about A, like item A. But while they're talking to you, they're really thinking about, and what's important to them is B. But they never talk to you about B. They just talk to you about A because that's what they think that you want to talk about. Like you would feel like that you don't even know that person. Like they're playing games, like they're a hypocrite, they're putting stuff on. And but sometimes we can do that with with prayer, with God. Like we're always talking to him about this because we think that's what he wants to talk about. But he's like, listen, talk to me about what's important to you. Talk to me about that. Because that's actually the first step, is, is like becoming as a student in prayer, is like if you want to begin or you want to get restarted today, if you're like, man. I pray every once in a while, but there's just not really kind of a a consistency for me. The the base of prayer is to talk with God about what's important to you. And and, and I don't care if like football is is like just football or fantasy football or whatever, or cars. I love cars. You know, just talk to God about that. He is a master uh, communicator. I don't know if you know. And so, if you if you talk to God, let's say it's cars that are most important, like that's what you just live for, then go to God and talk about cars. Like, God, uh, you know, there's this this cool car I got, and I'm trying to figure out how to fix this piece here. And and what do you think about that? You know, would you help me find that part? I'm not able to find it anywhere in this car I'm trying to restore, and it's over here. You know, right? You see. And as you talk about what what is important to you with God, God will start to give you his mind on the thing that's important to you. And then you'll, you'll talk differently as, as you walk through that. So, so whatever's important do you, talk to God about that. Like I've walked through today, like some items in here. Don't make it just that. Okay. I got to do the, this and I got to do this. Yes. These are the items that are important here, but most important, talk about what God's talk to God. What's important to you. Like what's going on with you, like in real life, like this is what's going on. God. Um, sure about what's what you're interested in and persistent prayer it's interesting Jesus teaches about prayer and he says he says like our job basically is when we have an item or a thing we're not supposed to stop praying about it until it's resolved like literally you're not supposed to it, like nowhere does it say okay just let it go like he actually says like stories of like people coming and knocking on the door, like, come on, come on, and in in and, and relent. Or it's this yielding over. But Jesus has the idea of like, don't stop praying about something until it's resolved. Like that's our job, is to just persist in prayer. And so I know, I know I've have things I've prayed for decades. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I've seen, it. I've seen like family members come to Jesus and I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh wow. And I've seen things happen. I've prayed for over decades. And I'm like, wow, look at that. I persisted in that. Or, and there's, then there's plenty of other things that I've prayed about that like, I haven't seen happen, but it isn't resolved. But if something's resolved, then it's like, okay, that's the part where you say your will be done. Right. I mean, it's good to have that attitude anyways, but, um, while you're going too, but it's like, I'll surrender now, now that it's fully done, um, be consistent, you know, be consistent. Uh, I'm not that great about like spending hours, like in the morning or hours. Typically if I pray a long time, it's in the evening, like everybody's asleep and I'm just, I'm just going to seek God. Like that's for me. Like in, in sometimes it's intentional, like I'm doing it for a regular gate of time. Other times it's, it's, it's all over the place. But what I am consistent at is that all throughout the day, I'm in constant, right? I'm just talking. i need this or what's going on with this. What do you see here? You know, I mean, I always have like some sort of time during the day, I pray, but be consistent with it. Like always have an intentional time, but the real long times it's kind of all over the place and, uh, um, be still and listen. The greatest growth I've had in my, in my walk with Jesus is when, in my early 20s, when I just would pray, pray, pray. And I was kind of like always giving my list, just like, and then this, and then this. And then I'd be like, are you getting this? Are You getting it all? And I kind of felt like that. I'm like, Lord, I don't feel anything. He's like, well, can you be quiet? Can you, can you just be still for a bit? And I did. And I just, so I'd go to God in prayer and I just wouldn't say anything. But so much happened. I couldn't always put my finger on it, but so much happened in my heart and, and, and things got worked out, you know, be conversational versus dictational, you know, like that. Don't just dictate to God, be conversational. Listen, God, what do you think about this? Um, and then, you know, part of it is, is get around other people that pray. Um, you know, for me, my prayer life just shot up when uh, I was in, again, my early twenties and a guy who was mentoring me um, and w- We'd, we'd eat and we'd pray and we'd share Jesus with people and pray for people and stuff. And, and, but there was times where we would just go and we just sit in a room. We just pray. And what I realized was, is that I, um, the reason I wasn't un- comfortable in prayer up to that point, a lot of it in kind of, because I had felt like I needed to talk about a, but my real life was B. And in the way he prayed and just brought all this stuff and, you know, some stuff I'm like, do you really want to, you know, what are we doing here? You know, and talking about all this. I'm like, Oh, like, I'm just supposed to bring my unveiled self, like the real me and just be with God. And that's what God's looking for. And then, and lastly, is this, you guys, uh, when we pray, we're building reality, like a real life with God. Like we're, we're taking a break from like our work like with our hands and our feet and our stuff, and then we're building this thing with God over here, but it's upon His strength. Like you've heard, like be like be led by the Lord, or 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 um, or submit to the Lord, or let Him do it by His strength. Prayer is the hallmark of that, and I found this out um, when I was single, um, and uh, I, I really wanted to be married. Like all my closest friends were married, and, and so again, early twenties, and. Um, And so I just talked to the Lord. I'm like, Lord, and I, I, you know, give me a wife of faith and all these things. And and Michelle is just all that and more. And, um, but I kind of, and then, um, then the Lord's like, well, why don't you pray for her? I'm like, I have been praying for her. He goes, no, 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 no. Like, like pray for the person that I'm bringing you specifically. I'm like, well, I don't know her. And he goes, well, let's find out who she is. And so I just started praying for her. Lord, would you bless her? Would you, you know, and you know, just, the things I was interested, I would be interested in, right? Like, um, you know, and, and then all of a sudden I remember one night it was like 10 30 at night or something. And, and then I just felt like I was supposed to pray for protection for her. I'm like, I am losing my mind. Okay. This person this fictional person. And so, and then it just kept coming back at certain times to pray. And it was at these night times and different times, pray for protection for your wife and these things And that lasted, you know, I don't know, nine, nine to 12 months or so different times. And um, well, once I met Michelle and we were you know, dating and all those things, I learned that during that time, uh, cause she came and worked at the church. But before that she worked as a, a youth services worker um, for a program called choice in, in San Diego. And it was like the last step for teens before they would go to jail. And so if they did uh, bad crimes and different things, like this was kind of like, Hey, if you know, go through this program, you can get right versus going to jail. And so Michelle uh, would have, she had like four pagers, you know, this is like in the 90s, you know, four pagers of all these different things. She'd go into these, like the worst neighborhoods in Southeast San Diego and do checkups on these different people. And so she, you know, uh, she's cruising through these places in, in old blue. Okay. Uh, in these neighborhoods, this little Honda Civic going to these places and God's asking me to partner with him to protect her. Isn't that amazing? And so prayer is where it's at. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.